listening to 91.5 FM, WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College, and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Let me give you the website, themotorsportshour.com. Find our podcast there. All kinds of good stuff there. Uh, and, And take us with you wherever you are in the world via the WPRK app. And whatever podcast uh, app you like. My name's Clark. I am your host, as always, alongside me tonight, Mr. Chris Wire to Wire. Wire, how you doing over there, man? Doing well. You are doing well. I'm doing well. There we go. Now you're doing much better. Fantastic. Tell you what, it's hot. Summer is here. The rain is here. Uh, Racing is here, too, though. And that's good. That's good. So, you Always. know, it's, Always. it's it, it, that is that is the nice thing about summer because, um, look, we don't have football. Hockey is over for me. Uh, we have football to look forward to and all that kind of stuff. Tell you what. Nine weeks. Yeah. Um, I did watch college baseball today because the Gators absolutely smoked LSU. Did you see that? 24 to three. This is a baseball game, a baseball game. That they beat them twenty-four to three in the College World Series. That's incredible. Yeah, really impressive. So that really shouldn't be no, but a College World Series game well, score. Game one of the College World Series. Of, of this is you know the 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 championship best out of three. Game one last night, extra innings, won eleven innings. LSU won today. Not the case. Gators put it to them. So you know, I, this is that kind of time of year where you just watch weird sports kind of thing. I don't ever watch college baseball. I watch college baseball last night and today uh, a little bit. You know, but racing is always that constant. You know, I, I look. I, I got the tour, uh, the Tour de France coming up. I always enjoy watching the Tour de France. Um, you know, it's these kind of weird off-brand stuff that you don't normally do every four years. You get the Olympics thrown in there, which I love the Olympics. Um, but we are in that, okay, six hours at the Glen this week. Let's watch it, man. Let's do it because there is nothing else on. There's nothing else going on in the world of sports right now. Well, and, and if you haven't been, you know, glued to your TV in excitement over the last month and a half, I, I don't know what, you know, we need to do to stimulate your blood flow because yeah, between Indy Grand Prix, Indianapolis 500, Lamar. And Monaco, now, Monaco. We had now the you know six hours of the Glen. I mean, it's just it's been racing like crazy. Yeah, you know, IndyCar thrown in there. You know, in um, well, no, we had F1 Bell, uh, Road America, IndyCar yeah. Road America, IndyCar Road America. They they raced Formula in the one in Canada, Detroit, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a it's lot a of great good, stuff. I mean, it's a good stretch. It really is. It really is a good stretch. Uh, we are in that height of racing season right now. It is upon us, uh, and it's great because we've got great racing, and, man, we had an absolutely fantastic race today. A fantastic race today for three hours, yes. Uh, Motor Trend gave us 26 hours of coverage for the 24 hours of Le Mans, uh, and USA and and NBC gave us uh, three hours of coverage for six hours at the Glen on USA Network. Remember, they wound down, they unwound uh, NBC Sports a couple years ago. Now it's on USA. I think, as a whole, it's good for the sport. Uh, you know, moving to USA Network, which people know where that is. Nobody knew where NBC Sports was, really. They're on NBC a lot as well. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's good for sports car racing. I, I think sports car racing, you and I have had this conversation, has nowhere to go but up. It is on a you know, rocket ship trajectory right now, it seems like. Uh, you look at attendance at races and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and people are, are spending their money and spending their hard-earned dollars to go to races, to watch it on TV, to do all that kind of stuff. And it's great. All the manufacturer involvement, all the drivers that we're seeing, uh, and IMSA and everything, it, it, it's really exciting where sports car racing is right now and, and hopefully where it's going. And, and look, Sports car racing, especially, has kind of—it's always kind of ridden the waves. You know, it's—it's it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, kind of thing. And we have been—we mean sports car fans and sports car racing—I um, think has really been on a really long, you know, peak 
kind of thing. It, it, it has been growing and growing and growing um, for the better part of a decade now, I think. Um, and, and I think you look back to, you know, the unification, the, the merger or whatever you want to call it between um, then uh, Grand Am and IMSA coming back together and everything and where it has kind of gone from that and it has just gotten better and better and better. The 24 Hours of Le Mans this year, seeing teams that we watch compete in IMSA compete in the top category at Le Mans was incredibly exciting. I think that's great for the sport. I think it's great for IMSA as well. It, it really is exciting where this sport is is going right now, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with that. It's uh, it's nice to be right, and, you know, it's nice to to know that, you know, our loyalty to the sport is now being embraced by, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, you know, new viewers and so forth in the various aspects from Formula One to IMSA to IndyCar. I mean, they just... There doesn't appear to be a downside at this point. I mean, everybody seems to be doing everything right. Um, my my lone criticism from today, and and perhaps it's a you know it, it may be a broader issue. I hope not, but you know a lot of these you know uh, networks are pushing people to their streaming yeah content yeah. And what I don't want to see is. IMSA become a tool to do that where it harms IMSA. Right. Well, you, well you, you've started to see that with MLS, with Major League Soccer. Um, Apple TV has the broadcast rights to Major League Soccer now. Look, I, you're more of a soccer fan than I am. Uh, do you find yourself going on Apple TV and watching MLS games? Not once. Okay. And, and I'm not a super fan, so don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not you know, setting up recordings of soccer games and so forth. If there's one that I happen to want to watch, you know, I'll sit down and I'll watch it. I enjoy, you know, the sport. But, you know, I, I've kind of taken to hockey like you have, you know, I, thanks to my daughter. Well, and yeah, it, it, it's it's great. It's awesome. Uh, by the way, uh, announced this week, Lightning uh, playing the Panthers uh, here in Orlando in a preseason game. Outstanding. So, yeah, get a big crowd for that uh, I, I, coming up in October. Yeah, very nice. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, anyway. Put that on our calendar, Sarah Grace. Yeah, October the 3rd, I believe. Okay. So, uh, that should Does be, that uh, conflict with Petit? I don't think so. Let's look that up. I think it's a Tuesday, so it shouldn't. Ye- but, well, if it's a Tuesday, then no. No, I think it's a Tuesday. I don't know. sure hope it doesn't conflict with Petit Le Mans. <laughs> Because then, guess what, Wire? I am going to be conflicted. Uh, no, I'll, 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 we're going to Petite this year. October 22nd. Okay. All right. No, that can't be. It says Sunday. No, that doesn't work. That's when it's being broadcast. Sunday, October 22nd, USA Network will show the Petite Le Mans? Huh. I don't know. Hmm. Well, we will... It's not the third, put it that way. Okay, it's not the third, so we can go to that. We can go to hockey and we can go to uh, Petit Le Mans. The race is the 14th. Okay. Um, that's a bit of a break there. Well, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But yeah. Um, sports car racing really has been on this upswing, uh, and it's great to see the success. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's exciting. It's um, frustrating at times for us old-school fans where – I mean, I, I remember when I, I had a I had a Porsche for a little bit, not a not a you know awesome really cool GT whatever, but it was a piece of junk this Porsche. But because I had a Porsche, I could just go in and park at the Porsche Corral at the Rolex Twenty Four. You know, they've always had that Porsche Corral. You just show up and you're like, oh yeah, no, I've got a Porsche. I can park in the Porsche Corral. And they're like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can go on in. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, those are coveted tickets. You gotta you gotta buy that spot, you know, years ahead of time for the Porsche Corral, uh, and I mean it's a it's a huge thing. All these different things, you know. I just learned that Grassroots Motorsports, which I, you know, great organization, great magazine, great publication, and everything. And I love Grassroots Motorsports, and they have had this huge um, setup that they do at the Rolex every year. Bring drivers in. You know, everybody's welcome. Come on by, stop by, hang out for a little bit. And it was always really nice and really exciting. Stop by, see, you know, you'd always see some friends there, that kind of thing. Say hi, hang out for a little bit. 
and go on with your day kind of deal. But it was this massive setup that they had. Uh, just learned kind of through the grapevine that they're not going to have that at Daytona next year. Basically, they need the spots for somebody. You know, I, I don't know what the situ- what the setup was with Grassroots Motorsports, but I'm sure they weren't paying, you know, for 30 RV spots or whatever it was, 50 RV spots to have their tent and their parking and all that kind of stuff set up there. Well, and you had a sellout, you know, in January this year. So, yeah, you it makes perfect sense that, you know, the Speedway would be looking to monetize those spots in a, you know, much more lucrative fashion than, you know, back in the day, it was great having grassroots motorsports there, put, you know, fans in the pits and butts in the seats, if you will. Yeah. Uh, They don't necessarily need that now. They need to find the way to accommodate more people like yourself that, you know, want to be part of the RV brigade and show up and, you know, be inside the track. Yeah, and and it's 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 becoming one of the great things about sports car racing. Always was it was just so easy, especially in the the first early years of Grand Am, when you had the split. So people weren't, you know, people were really deciding, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to follow Grand Am? Am I going to follow IMSA? Am I going to do both? I can't afford to go to five different races every year. I got to pick one, maybe two. Kind of thing. Okay, am I going to go to Daytona this year? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I will. And the crowds were not there, which was, you know, made it really easy. Made it really easy to get around, you know, to, you know, there was no, uh, the idea of pre-purchasing an infield parking pass or something like that was, why would why would anybody need to do that? It's $10 and you just park wherever you want. I mean, I, I remember when you would be watching at the horse and you go, okay, let's go down to the pits and you'd hop in your car. And you drive to the pits and park right next to the pits kind of thing and then walk around the pits and then, okay, let's go watch somewhere else. You go hop in your car and drive somewhere else. And it was Nobody got in your way. No. You didn't need, you know, the the traffic police. You didn't, you weren't, you know, elbow to elbow with anybody. It was, I mean, it was a a simpler time for sure. But, um, you know, we can't have the roaring success of IMSA as it currently, you know, is structured. Yeah. And no crowds at the track because those two don't equate. And, and what is exciting is the crowds that are showing up at the track. Um, and look, Watkins Glen might be a little bit interesting because you've got, it's not on its traditional weekend this year. Uh, it used to, it's typically the weekend of, you know, right before uh, the 4th of July, they're a week earlier this year. And in addition to that, too, look, you've got these big grandstands that they put a ton of people in for NASCAR and everything there. And sports car racing has never been a grandstand sport. It's a walk around the track and check it out from different spots. And that's typically what people do. So you're never going to see these, you know, giant crowds in the stands, you know, full, filled with people kind of thing. But good crowds, all that kind of stuff at, at um, Watkins Glen this weekend. And I tell you what, Watkins Glen, that's – so the the bucket list track, at least in the U.S. for me, Road America is number one that I haven't driven. I've, I've driven VIR, I've driven Road Amer- you know Road Atlanta, uh, Daytona, and all the stuff down here. Road America is number one. Watkins Glen's number two, though. I was thinking the same thing because we talked about Road America last week. Yeah, and you know how much we you know enjoy watching racing there, and not even so much you know haul the race car to Wisconsin and let's go have a party kind of thing. Just go. And, yeah. and watch some racing, whatever it may be, MC IndyCar, whatever. And I think, you know, we should do that. Um, but I also think we should haul the race car up there. Yeah, that would be fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long haul, but, I, hey, it, I, Road America looks great. Watkins Glen, uh, you know, of course, the home of the U.S. Grand Prix for so many years. Uh, the site of many triumphs, many tragedies as well. Uh, a place that is absolutely a key, key uh, spot in the history of sports car racing and the history of racing in the United States uh, is Watkins Glen, uh, and it's it's great to go to that kind of um, you know home uh, and, and not too far away from where you grew up too. Wire that is correct, sir. Yeah, just a, just a few hours away. Uh, I miss those six weeks of summer. Yeah, you know, I was eighty two there today. You know, a little bit of cloud cover here and there. You know. Humidity this time of year is relatively low. You know, the lakes are jumping, so on and so forth. But 
<laughs> by Labor Day, forget about it. Yeah. Summer's over and, you know, you're now into the two-thirds of the year that is considered winter. Well, um, so you don't miss that, though, I huh? It sounds like. Sounds I do like not, you, sir. Sounds like you don't miss that. Well, um, let's jump in to the um, race, the six hours at the Glen. This is part of the, you know, big, are we still calling it the Michelin Endurance Cup or whatever it is? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, for those that don't know, it's a separate championship consisting of, I think it's four races. Um, the longer than normal races, which would be the Rolex 24, Sebring 12-hour, the Watkins Glen 6-hour, and Petit Le Mans. And it's a separate championship in and of itself. Uh, it awards points, you know, differently. And, you know, there, there are actually, I think, um, Wright Motorsports has a car that is only doing the endurance championship. Yeah, that's, that's a, a somewhat uh, popular thing to do for, you know, hey, you might run one car in the full season and then add a different car, add another car for this, or be a team that is only going to run these races and that sort of thing. So you typically have big crowds, which is great, but it's not just the GTP category and the GTD category um, or GTD Pro category that starts adding cars. You also start getting more cars in P2 and in P3 as well. Um, FIA uh, announced that P2 cars will not run in the um, in the WEC next year. They will only run at uh, Le Mans. That's the only WEC race that LMP2 cars will run. P3 cars don't already don't run. P3 cars are also going away next year in IMSA, if I'm not mistaken. Thankfully. They listen to the show. Yes. Um, but with all those P2 cars leaving um, WEC now, not having, they'll still be able to race in the European Le Mans series and the Asian Le Mans series and stuff like that, but they're not going to be able to race in the WEC in the full season. I think we're going to be getting a lot more P2 cars in IMSA. Nah. Starting with United Autosport. Yeah, okay, good. like United Autosports, all that kind of stuff, but I just... <clears throat> Look, we, we had a P2 car in, in a well-run team and everything cause a huge accident today. I thought that was a P3 car. That was a number eight car. That just I thought it was a P2 car. Yes, it was a horrible accident. And, yes, it was a horrible move by and, the driver. I, I mean, completely boneheaded. Just like, what, what was it a P3 car or a P2 car? I'm going to have to look that up. I, I, thought it, I, thought I, I thought it was a P2 car, but it was just one of these things where what are you doing? Like, what is going on here? This is idiotic, this move. Um, and, it, you know, took out, you know, one of the challengers in GTP. Uh, took out a couple GTD cars and all that kind of stuff. And it was just one of those things where you're looking at it going, what are these cars adding? Well, they're, you know, giving a lot of people seat time. And this is where a lot of the GTP teams are probably finding drivers and stuff like that. And people are kind of coming up through the ladder, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I just don't like them. I just don't they, don't. they don't do anything for me. Well, you know, we've talked about this before, and I hope that, you know, IMSA has kind of figured this out on their own. But the P3 cars, while they may, you know, be competitive amongst themselves, they – they cause a lot of disruption being out there because of, you know, the level of drivers. They're not all rookies, but it is this, you know, proving ground for people that want to get into prototype racing. And, you know, something like that with, you know, unknown 18-year-olds and everything that are coming into the series and, and want to show their value, it should be a standalone support race. We have the Michelin Tire Challenge, you know, and we, you know, we have a lot of people that enter in through that to get into the, um, you know, the GTD type classes. If you want to be in prototype, run the support race. Yeah. And we, we have that now with the VP racing series or whatever it is, this kind of series race, you know, at the roar this year and kind of a new thing, but we're moving P3 there next year and that's. Not going to be too soon, to say the least. Um, 
but like you're saying, I mean, look, here's who won in P3, Riley Motorsports. This is who's running. I mean, this is one of, you know, when you think about prototype sports car racing in the U.S., Riley Motorsports is pretty close to the top of the list. Well, they're running a P3 car. And, you know, Felipe Farga and, and Gar Robinson are two of the drivers. Josh Burden is the other one. I don't know, don't know Josh Burden at all, but, you know, Felipe Farga and, and Gar Robinson have been around a wheel more than once kind of thing. They, they've, they've spent some time in a race car. They're great drivers. That's kind of the exception to the rule, though, I think, in P3 for the most part. But, yeah, and, you, ha- you know, it can be a money-making opportunity for teams like that because you get a bunch of paying drivers and, you know, they bring in sponsorship, and so you're not racing on your dime. You know, the old Chip Ganassi uh formula for going racing is race other on other people's money yeah no I, I, absolutely i mean look andretti autosport is running a p3 car there too and basically for for jared andretti uh and, but paired with gabby chavez in the car as well um but, you know look they, they've got a couple good teams and then a couple teams that you know are hmm, okay but you know jdc miller motorsports has a team out there so they have some good teams some teams that aren't quite at that level um and then they've got a huge mismatch of drivers, and and that's kind of the case too for a lot of the PM for the P2 cars, as well. You know, you have the the perennial you know P2 cars out there, um, and P2 teams. Era Motorsport, uh, you know, local driver Ryan Dial, uh, who who always races with them. Um, you know, you, you've got some some decent teams there in P2. Uh, and then you also have some teams that, quite frankly, nobody's ever heard of before, um, and with some drivers that nobody's ever heard of. And uh, you know, I don't know what it adds, especially with GTP getting so good. If I'm IMSA, I'm doing everything I can to get Ferrari over here next year. Um, you know, look, the BMWs here now. Make sure that they're going to be here and and be here in a big way. Maybe a multi, you know, more. You know, bigger effort from them and, and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, Acura's here. Make sure that they're here. All that kind of stuff. We it is excellent. GTP it is so good, and we were tr- absolutely treated to a fantastic race today, especially in in GTP and in GTD Pro as well. Um, some great action throughout the entire race. Such a great track to just. Uh, y- you, you can just watch somebody catch somebody where they're fast, where they can make a move, and it's just this – it's a very technical thing. Um, you, you can start to see people set somebody up in a corner and, and, and just the moves that they make and everything. It's such a fun track from that standpoint. It's not this kind of rinky-dink kind of little, you know, 90-degree right, 90-degree left, you know, a bunch of, you know, hairpins – you know, super slow speed corners. There are some fast, fast, fast corners where if you make a mistake, you know, coming out of one corner or, or whatever it is, I, 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 you know, make a little bit of a mistake at the entry, it's really going to cost you. You have really have to be spot on in all these medium speed to higher speed corners because the straights are so long and everything that it'll really penalize you when you set a, a wheel wrong at, at Watkins Glen. Well, yeah, and it races, you know, kind of like a, a road or a street course. With regards to that, and I was thinking about that as I'm watching the race, that there's no forgiveness on the outside of the track there. No. I mean, in any place, you know, other than maybe turn one where, you know, there's probably 150 feet of runoff, every place else has guardrails all the way around it. Yeah. And if you get in any way, you know, out of shape that puts four wheels off, you run the risk of ruining your entire day. So it really makes you be smart about things and you don't you can't do the F1 thing where you just run off and then keep on going kind of deal. Did you say smart? Yeah. yeah oh, well, okay. you got to be smart. It's optional, right? Yeah. Well, it is optional unfortunately. You you're supposed to be smart, but you have to be smart if you want to win, you have to be smart. Um and where what we what we saw we saw a great battle in GTD Pro that came down to the last 30 minutes uh where we had the Corvette leading, who I picked to win. Thank you very much. Um, however, they got passed. Wire right with like twenty minutes left. The six, you know six hour race, 
five hours and 40 minutes in, you know, there's a pass in GTD um, for the win. Not really surprising because the the way the Corvette got the lead in the first place was a speeding penalty by the Lexus yeah. after their last pit stop. And apparently it was a fairly egregious penalty or, or speeding infraction. And then they were penalized with a drive-through, you know, at pit lane speed. Corvette inherited the race, and the Lexus set out about, you know, running them down. And the, the interesting thing about that was the, the Lexus was faster, but not fast enough to get by at the point in time where I had shut the race off because, you know, things life takes over. And the Ferrari was sneaking right up on the two of them. Yeah, and at the end, at the end of the day, you had Corvette not finishing in first, not finishing in second, but finishing but wait, in you third. Pick, you picked them. I know I picked them, but, you know, Jordan Taylor, Antonio Garcia, oh, well, didn't work for him this time. Um, but the, the not only did the Ferrari get through, but the uh, Vassar Sullivan Lexus got through and won in GTD Pro. Uh, and to cap it off, for, for Lexus, not only did they win in GTD Pro, they also um, won in GTD. Yeah, you think there's going to be uh, a little BOP? Little, yeah, a little BOP. A little BOP little coming little their way. Performance adjustment. Yeah, Vassar Sullivan, um, car one um, with um, – uh, they ended up winning and, and finishing ahead of the GTD. D Pro effort as well, and uh, yeah, I think we can expect a lot of um, a lot of BOP heading the way of the Lexus. So, I mean, I would think that you know because the spec is the same. We know this. Um, the spec between the two cars is identical. Um, the only thing that makes a difference is the uh, the drivers, um, but to have the Lexus win both classes. And the come from behind, they had a 20-second lead on their last pit stop and gave it away with that penalty and then came back out and ran down the Corvette from about three seconds behind and ultimately passed him for the win. So, yeah, do I think that they had a great day? Sure. Did they deserve it? You know, absolutely. Um, But I expect to see, you know. Yeah, they're going to get hammered The day to get looked at. Data, Data to get looked at. So uh, talking about Corvette, actually some um, some good news, I, I think, uh, coming out this week, and that is that Pratt & Miller is going to continue uh, with an effort in GTD Pro next year uh, with Corvette. So, of course, we were talking about this last week. Hey, it's kind of the end of the factory-backed effort with Corvette. You and I both on in agreement makes perfect sense. You know, go to that kind of Porsche model you still have factory drivers. You have a lot of factory support. You just don't have that factory team. You uh, sell a lot more race cars, though. Yeah, sell a lot more race cars uh, for a lot of and money. And parts yep. and technical expertise and yep. all the good stuff. And instead of having, you know, a couple of Corvettes on the grid, you know, I think we can look forward to having, you know, close to Porsche car counts on the grid. I, you know, Corvette has done an amazing job of taking a car um, that – I mean, when did so Corvette really started getting into sports car racing in early two? Was it about two thousand, two thousand and one? Was it late nineties even? I would say it's probably late nineties. Well, let's take a look. But uh, you know, really getting into sports car racing, and and prior to that, a Corvette was look. Nobody ever thought of a Corvette then as a you know sports car kind of thing. Look, it had a big engine up front. Um, my dad had a C4 Corvette at one point in time. It was a piece of, of junk. Of course he did. It was a piece of junk on the inside, man. I mean, I mean the interior was just junk. Uh, it, you know, it handled bad. Uh, there was just not a lot of cool stuff going on. You know, hey, it looked like the, you know, it looks like a carrot and, you know, it, it's got that wedge shape. It's got a big motor, makes a good sound and all that kind of stuff and everything. What Corvette and what Chevrolet has done is really turned this into a world-beater sports car. 
and especially for the money and everything. I mean, the new C8 Corvette, it's awesome. I, I love it, and you can see the evolution. I mean, the reason why we have a mid-engine Corvette now is because they need to be competitive in sports car racing, basically. That's why we have mid-engine Corvettes now. Uh, the streetcar is so much better. It is a true sports car, and, and it is something that is not only competes with the likes of Ferraris and Porsches, but beats them um, on the street and on the track now, which was not always the case, and that's what sports car do, racing can do for a brand. It can take a car that, quite frankly, to me, held no appeal for the longest time. I mean, I, Corvette literally had no appeal to me. I love them, though. I, I, I would take a Corvette over... Over a Lamborghini, over a lot of Ferraris, you know, yeah, and and I'm kind of with the you there. I mean, uh, the the motor still sounds great. Yeah, and the car is beautiful to look at. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of neat little bits on it now that you know rival it, its uh, much more expensive competitors in the marketplace. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you, you give me a. Uh, $150,000, you know, Z06, which, uh, by the way, I'm not in the market for, I just say. Or you give me that or a $300,000, you know, Lamborghini something or other. I think I'm probably, yeah, you the know Z06 what? and keep the change. Yeah, same here. You know, some Ferrari with a turbo and a flappy paddle gearbox and all that kind of stuff and all that. And look, the Corvette has a flappy paddle gearbox too, but give me the Corvette, you know. Now we start getting the GT3 RSs of the Porsches and everything. That's a different story, but anyway, I'm not in the market for any. If you of got them. 300 grand, you might be able to buy both. Yeah, I guess so. so um, 1999 Corvette Racing was founded. Um, in 2000, they were racing at Le Mans. They mm -hmm. finished third and fourth in class. The Ron Fellows, yeah. Justin Bell, uh, Andy Pilgrim guys, and won their first championship in the American Le Mans series in 2001. I remember so, watching those guys and, you know, watching that car and everything going, there's a Corvette out here. It actually looks pretty darn good. The interesting thing to me is they've done it for so many years. Remember the, the comp you wear, yeah. you know, sponsorship? Yep. Once that kind of went away, they've funded everything. Now, from appearances, they funded it all themselves. Yeah. You, you never saw, you know, these dynamic logos on the car any longer after that livery went away. And so to go from, hey, you know, we need, you know, X amount of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars or whatever to run this program, compete at Le Mans and everything uh, with a factory effort um, to, you know, now getting on board with the Porsche model and whoever else is, is doing things like that, I think it shows a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And I, I hope they're able to maintain the level of success that we've become accustomed to from it. Yeah, and, and and kudos to GM. Uh, you know, GM's done a lot of stuff wrong uh, over the years, um, but they've done this right, uh, certainly. Well, and here's the other part too. When we think of Porsche being successful at racing, it isn't one team. Yeah, it's not. So Corvette racing can be thought of in the same vein, I think, assuming that you know it it goes according to plan to where Pratt and Miller or somebody else can step in, buy a two you know, buy a couple of race cars, put a two car effort in, and continue to add to the victories that Corvette Racing has achieved in the past. And we'll speak about them in the same way that we talk about Porsche being phenomenally beneficial to racing. Yeah. Corvette would be the same. Yeah. Well let's move to GTP, shall we? Uh, where we had a knockdown drag out amazing battle right down to the closing moments of the race. Six-hour race again. Six hours at the Glen. Um, and with, you know, half an hour left, you've got the BMW leading. Um, and with like a nine- or ten-second lead, uh, you got Connor Filippi in the car, and you got Matthew Jaminet in the Porsche who's trailing him. And he is just bit between his teeth, getting after it. Matthew Jaminet is. I, I, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you you see the BMW go through a corner and then you see Jaminet coming through in the Porsche, you know, 10 seconds behind or whatever it is. You know, whoa, he's going faster. He's just, he's taking the risks. He's making the moves, you know, where uh, 
the BMW and Connor DiFilippi. Look, that does an excellent job navigating traffic, but the chances that the Porsche is taking are just a little bit greater. Made up three seconds in one lap uh, and one instance. Headlights flashing, you know, just, going into and coming out of every corner. Just, there's, there, it's one of those things where you can't even, you can't think almost. You can't sit there and go, well, am I going to, am I going to wait or I mean, uh, should I should I stick my nose down in there and try and pass this GTD car, try and pass this P3 car in this corner? Should I get him at the next corner? No, you, you can't do any of that when you're in this mode. Just run him down, catch him mode. And to Jamine's credit, he never put a wheel wrong when he's running him down. And he's running him down, running him down. And then all of a sudden he's not eight seconds, he's five seconds. Then he's, you know... And then he's two seconds, then he's a second and a half, second, half a second, catching him, catching him. And all throughout the entire time, they're catching traffic. Somebody would get a little bit of an advantage. Jaminet would kind of win most of the times, but not by a huge margin, you know. It wasn't one of these things where you get stuck behind a, a train of, you know, cars kind of thing. Uh, and all of a sudden you've lost two seconds. But with whatever it's five minutes left, Jaminet comes up to him. The just a little bit of hesitation on on the on the Felipe's part and the BMW. This GTD car. Do I go around the outside or the inside? And he says, ah, "I'm going to take him on the outside." No hesitation from Jaminet, right down the inside of the um, of the back marker. Almost uses him as a pick, surprises Di Felipe, gets by, gets a lead with now, you know, four minutes left, and the next lap, full course caution. That's it. And Porsche comes through to to win the race uh, in spectacular fashion on a great drive for Matthew Jaminet uh, and Penske Motorsports uh, in the Porsche. Just a great effort from them. Great to see uh, that performance. Uh, BMW looked great as well, but I tell you what, this is one of those things where you look at it and go, Matthew Jaminet made, made the difference today. So, you know, the casual fan will look at it and say, that's not fair. That's absolutely, that guy was in the way. It's absolutely fair. And, you know, you and I are... In the entirely, you know, opposite reaction. We're like, that is multi-class racing. It is. That's why we love this sport. And they started 57 cars. That's a lot of cars. You, these, you know, we've said it many times before. You can't make these guys disappear. Yeah. And, and, Just because we're following a really good battle in the top class in the, you know, one of the premier endurance races in the United States. Where are these guys supposed to go? Yeah, they, they can't just, poof, I'm out of the way. And I don't envy them on a track like that because there aren't really any slow corners. I think the uh, the lead back onto the uh, the short course, which is a 180-degree you know, turn uphill, I think they're at 55 or 60 miles an hour through that corner, and that's yeah. the slowest corner on the track. Yeah, it's... They can't just disappear, as you say uh, all the time, Wire, and so accurately. Uh, and that is absolutely part of multi-class racing. It always has been and it always will be. How well you navigate traffic and using that traffic to your advantage, using a back marker, whatever it is, as a pick, is part of strategy. It's part of the race. It was a great move from Jaminet. Uh, he gets by him. A lap and a half later, you have Bill Oberlin with a huge shunt, a huge shunt into the tire barrier, over onto his roof, comes back onto his wheels. He hops out of the car. He's okay. Um, you know, gets out, kind of brushes himself off, but we end under caution uh, because of that. And I really just an incredibly exciting race, Chamber of Commerce weather, uh, which it did not start out that way. Uh, lots of rain during qualifying and everything, huge crashes in qualifying. Lots of cars getting repaired and everything, but um, certainly made for a great race today. Do you appreciate subtle humor? Sure. I don't know if you picked up on this, but did you see the battle in LMP3? Um, probably 20 or 25 minutes 
left to go in the race. Re- refresh my memory. The, if you, don't the mind. you know the seventy four ranch car the, the is uh, the Robinson car was leading, and I forget what car it was that was behind him. But anyway, they had been battling you know throughout the race, and they're coming up. They're coming up the hill uh, at the bot in the boot or out of the out of the toe of the boot, and they're coming up to the heel, and the uh, the O one Cadillac is many many laps down, but racing by himself, and they run up on some traffic, and the seventy four car gets through, and the G- the Cadillac is online, the LMP three car dive bombs the Cadillac. Because he didn't want the, him, the Cadillac, to get in between them. Right. So, you know, the Cadillac probably took exception that we didn't see, but then going down the front straightaway passes him, and he goes into turn one. He did not pass the 74 car. He slotted him between them, and then he almost came to a stop in turn one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. The GTP car should not be going that slow. Yeah. And so if you go back and if you got it recorded, it's yeah. pretty funny. Pretty good stuff. Little little racing humor for you there. Um, LMP three cars probably shouldn't be dive bombing GTPs. No, but but look, they're also in their own battle, and and I get it. And you and I, if we were in that, you know, second P three car, and we're you know, right on the tailpipe of the P one car, we're gonna do the same thing. You know, you want to win that race, do whatever you can. So I get it, right. and that's one of the problems with P three LMP three is that, you know, look, these guys are in their own race. They're spending lots of money to go racing, uh, and you know, they want to win, and and they should. And want usually, to do it's that. them in the way. So I guess yeah. it's a little turnabout. Yeah, turnabout is fair play. So um, finishing in second was the BMW. Uh, third place Cadillac, uh, Jack Aiken, Pippa Durrani, and Alexander Sims going with a three driver effort. Um, there in uh, that car. Good race. We're off uh, next week for IMSA, um, but we're going to be back uh, in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the next race. Yes, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. A, um, it's an insanely yeah. fast track. Yeah, it is. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it's... It is crazy fast. And it's uh, been repaved. Oh, oh I didn't I think know. in the last two years it's oh, been yeah. repaved. And, I mean, you take a track that was fast with bad pavement and you provide it with good pavement. And, you know, there's been a little recontouring of the uh, the double apex hairpin down at the – is that the Andretti corner? Or is that the Andretti straight? They, they name it something. but Yeah, there's an Andretti straightaway. Okay. Yeah. So – yeah, you've got so the yeah the corners up at the top there on the on the photo you're looking at mm-hmm. has been recontoured a little bit because it used to be this you know swooping left hander downhill and then up hand uphill into that right hander and then you kind of crest a little bit and it's downhill into the next right hander it, it's pretty sketchy you know yeah at the speeds that they're going and and especially with you know G2P cars with mega downforce uh, you know. Closing speeds are pretty incredible. Yeah, most sport is always a, uh, a fun one. Uh, so looking forward to uh, most sport coming up uh, in a um, in a couple of in a couple of weeks. No P two cars, but we do have P three cars at most sport next year. Next or two weeks away. I guess they owe them something. I guess so. Um, but next week we have another track that doesn't necessarily produce great racing. Um, yes. In contrast. To Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Yeah. Um, IndyCar going to everybody's favorite, Mid-Ohio. Once, you know, Lime Rock is removed from the the, que- the equation, the next discussion about tracks that don't produce good racing is Mid-Ohio for me. Okay. It, just hear me out on this. Is there a worse name for a track than Mid-Ohio? Like, it's just it's just... It's just not a good name for a track, and I and get, okay, yeah, it's it's always been Mid Ohio, but it's just it's like where are you? We're in somewhere in the middle. Like where, well, where are you going? Ohio? Oh, whereabouts in Ohio? Somewhere in the middle of Ohio? I don't know. It's Mid Ohio, okay? 
we're racing in mid Ohio. What's the track like? I don't know. It's got a keyhole, and you know it, it is what it is. Um, and, a, and a beach. Yeah. So look, we the facilities at mid Ohio are subpar. Um, it, look, mid Ohio is not uh, where anybody. I have zero desire to ever drive mid Ohio. Just looking at it, it's not one of those tracks where. You look and like, oh, that would be cool. I, I, I've watched races there. I'd watch everything. I go, eh, eh. But wait, it has a corner called Madness. Yeah. Okay. Good. But here's the thing. Um, it's got a carousel and a keyhole. Keyhole is a good name. All right. Keyhole is a good name for for a corner. Um, Honda, of course, big in IndyCar, big presence in in Ohio. So thus we race at Mid Ohio. Just like we race in the streets of Detroit. Now, we race at another Honda-owned. I don't. Um, I don't know if Mid Ohio is owned by Honda. I don't think it is. I don't think. It is. Um, but you know, we do race at a, a track in Formula One that is owned by Honda. We do. Yeah, and that's Suzuka, which is an awesome track. So just make Mid Ohio like Suzuka. If you're Honda, Honda, come on, uh, let's do it, and. Uh, you know, I'd love it, but I okay. IndyCar at Mid Ohio, not too terribly excited about it. But let's maybe it'll be a great race. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. It's what these you know tracks like that, and you know maybe you can blame Mid Ohio. It's it's an older track design that probably was never designed for Indy cars, but there's very very few passing opportunities. Yeah. So what every race tends to devolve into is a fuel strategy and fuel saving race. And those races can be terribly boring. Yeah. Because you're not, you know, you're you're not racing somebody, you're saving fuel. You're not uh, you know, gonna dive bomb somebody in a pass because, you know, you've got fuel to save, you've got a strategy to implement. And so you know, the, do you race mid-Ohio in an IndyCar the way, you know, IMSA raced in the last 20 minutes of the six hours of the Glen? No, you don't. You don't see that kind of excitement. So, um, you know, my skepticism, you know, racing IndyCars at mid-Ohio comes from an honest place. Yeah. Uh, and in case you're wondering where it is, it's right outside of Dayton. Um, where? You know, uh, mid-Ohio. So it's it's like it's like uh it's an hour I don't know about an hour or so from Dayton you know a couple hours from Columbus couple hours from Cincinnati few hours from Indianapolis few more hours from Cleveland you know it's in the middle so it's very mid it's very mid this is as the kids say you know that maybe it, it mid Ohio the name has been around so long now it's hip again because it's mid so yeah as the kids say these days wire it's mid do the kids say that the kids do say that I know because I'm I'm hip and I'm with it. So, mid Ohio, it is it is it is absolutely mid. I like it. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on from that. Let's talk about Formula One, shall we? Uh, because F one is back next week as well. Um, this is really where I want to spend my summers. I, I you know someday I'd like to use the word summer as a verb. Don't yet. Um, and and look, Lake Seneca. You're very and close. Uh, yeah, right. I'm 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 extremely close. Just a few decades and a few million dollars away. You're very and, close. Yeah, very close. Very close. Um, All you got to do is pay off the truck. Yeah, just yeah. That, that's it. Because <laughs> you know, once that once that five hundred and twelve dollars a month, uh, you know, I got that extra five hundred bucks a month rolling in wire. You know, hey, you'd be killing it. Yeah, watch out, South of France. Here I come, baby. No. Uh, not the south of France. This, but I know. you are going to go to Austria. I am going to go to Austria. Look, I'm sure Lake Seneca and everything's very nice, I'm sure gorgeous upstate New York and everything. But if I'm going to use summer as a verb, I'm going to the you know I'm going to the, uh, to the highlands Hamptons. of whatever. No, not to the Hamptons. No, um, I'm going to Europe, and I'm not going to the south of France. I'm going to Switzerland or something like that. But I'm going to Austria, baby. Um, we're in Austria next week. Austrian Grand Prix Red Bull Ring, um, which has seen some great races over the years in an absolutely spectacular setting, an absolutely spectacular setting uh, in Austria. 
and I always appreciate the aerial views from yeah. around there. And, and yeah, so thank you in advance. I, it it is just an absolutely gorgeous looking area. Look, Lime Rock always looks like a pretty area of the country. Very um, nice. But the track is terrible. This looks like a beautiful area of the world, and the track is great. So you got uh, it's good on all fronts. Is is Austria typically? See some, of course. It's red. You know now it's owned by Red Bull, so you've got a lot of Red Bull cross promotion and everything going on there. Um, all kinds of fun stuff there for Red Bull to be had uh, for this weekend, and I tell you what. Is there any chance that Red Bull doesn't win this race, Where? Um, next to zero. Look, we've Less seen, than 3%. We've seen, you know, some 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 stuff happen there in the past. Uh, you know, rain, some some crazy moves. Of course, we had the, you know, when Nico Rosberg decided he just wasn't going to turn the car in and, you know, uh, shoved Hamilton off and all that kind of stuff. We've seen some, some big moves. I think... Uh, who was it that had one of the most – was it Rosberg or Botas? Maybe it was Botas who had that start that was like .001 after the lights went out kind of thing and just shot ahead of everybody. And um, you had Lance Stroll crashing through the field in the wet or, or wet conditions, I should say, at yeah. the start. Um, jacked up Botas, created a, a you know six or a seven car event and uh, – decimated, you know, a third of the field in turn one. We've seen a lot of great action going into turn one, a lot of good action going into turn two as well. I, I, you know, this is one of those tracks where it's not over at the first corner, the, you know, first lap. It, it You can really, you can go side by side, you can go side by side in the second corner and run down all the way, uh, you know, kind of the backstretch. Um, and the, there. the pit lane is quite short, so... You know, pit stops, speed becomes a premium. It allows, you know, different strategies. Um, and, you know, hopefully the weather's good. And, you know, both uh, compounds that they uh, they choose for the race, uh, well, all three of them, hopefully they race well. Yeah, certainly hope they do. Um, should be a great race. I'm, I'm hoping for a great race. Uh, you know, Canada was fun. We closed the gap a little bit to Red Bull, we think. Um, we will see at um, at the Red Bull ring. I think this circuit suits Red Bull maybe a little bit more so than uh, Canada. So I think they're going to continue their dominance. The, the question is not, okay, where's Max going to finish? Max has been flappable this whole season, basically. Um, he's going to win. Where's his teammate going to finish? Wire? It's interesting because, you know, Checo is now starting to, you know, hear the whispers. Yeah. And, you know, suddenly Danny Rick's name has popped back up into the news. Um, I saw a headline earlier today where Danny Rick now wants a spot on the 2024 grid. Mm-hmm. Um, but question is where? Yeah. And the question is, you know, what we don't know is what kind of, you know, impression is he making in the simulator as compared to his teammate Checo and and how would that play out uh you know to give him a shot if that's what you know Christian Horner desires yeah and and you're absolutely right there's a very good chance that you know look Red Bull has Danny Rick in the simulator all the time um and he's not faster than Checo you know he's not setting better times he's not driving the car better than him so you know, hey, we're not going to, you know, switch from you to somebody else who's not faster than you in the sim kind of thing. Um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense right there. Right. A lot of talk about possibly replacing Nick DeVries next year. One of the drivers who does not have any points this year. Uh, coupled with Logan Sargent. U.S. driver uh, a Logan Sargent. Also zero points for him. A lot of talk about possibly Mick Schumacher uh, possibly replacing him at Williams at some point this season. Um, you know, Nick DeVries, Dutch driver. <laughs> News I heard was by, you know, that they could replace him at the Dutch Grand Prix kind of thing. Uh, look, 
who knows what's going to happen with all I mean, that. He made a great it's impression talk, in Monza, yeah. you know, as a stand-in, but yeah. you know, th- this this year has been not good. No, it hasn't. Um but we shall see. So why what, what you know, besides Max, who's the driver that's going to come through uh if Max has an off day? First off, do we think this is going to be that off race for Red Bull? No. Neither do I. I mean, if anything's going to go perfect, it's this race. Uh, and I think it will go perfect. I think Max is going to win. Um, and I think Sergio is not going to finish. I think he's going to throw the car off trying to make some move on Max or something like that and crash out. So that's my big prediction. It's possible he's had contact, and I think it's in turn five or six. Yeah. The downhill right-hander. Last two years running, so. Where you're, any other big news? For, no, uh, no big news. All right. On that note, we're out here. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.